Good morning, and thank you for inviting me to be here. Um, it's a pleasure. My wife and I hail from uh, the North Hills of Pittsburgh. Um, so uh, we took a trip through the city and always love seeing that. And then um, coming through here and seeing all the green, uh, thankfully for all the rain that you guys have had down here and that we've been having the past couple days, it's a pleasure to be, to be down this way. Um, how, so so how, did I, how did I end up down here? Uh, well, my connection is I'm under care of the EPC, um, so I'm in process to, uh, to be like Eric, to be a pastor um, of an EPC church, and I am eagerly waiting for my examination uh, test results to come through, and uh, so I'm, I was on edge a little bit, and, and uh, for the past couple of weeks, you know, did I pass, did I fail? We'll see. Um, but uh, we're hoping, <laughs> we're praying, <laughs> all that, uh, as I'm sure all others are. Um, but I'm thankful to, to be entering into the place of doing what I believe uh, the Lord has called me to do, um, and that is to preach his word, to um, minister to his people, to equip and empower them, um, to go and do the work in the places that, that they are, to um, offer life um, to the places that are dark. And so um, I'm thankful to be here uh, with you to hopefully offer you um, something that you'll walk away um, that you can munch on uh, for, the re- for the rest of the week. And you'll catch that a little bit more later on. Um, so I'm going to do things a little bit uh, differently. I know most, probably most of the time you're used to uh, me now reading the scripture now at this point. But um, this text that we have here... Uh, I believe needs a little bit of setup. And you'd be like, well, well, we kind of got a little bit of setup when we uh, read uh, verses 1 through 15, you know, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But I want to go back even further. I want to go back to the Old Testament and talk about a different sort of bread. Sort of, you know, she talked about some bread down here, and it, bread comes in all sorts of shapes and varieties. There's another bread that came in a very different shape and variety in Exodus that... I want to speak about first and recall that story for you. So let me pray, and, um, and then we'll get into some exodus. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your word, uh, for its being truth. Lord, thank you um, that it fills us. Thank you that your spirit is here, and for this congregation, for your body, your name. Amen. <coughs> Famished, starved, ravenish, and empty was the condition of the Israelites only a month and a half after they had exited Egypt. And they had a case of the hangries. Does anyone know what the hangries are? My wife does for sure. I got a couple. The hangries. This might be a new word that enters this, this, this congregation here. The hangries are when you're hungry and you're angry because you're hungry. So we, in our family, we call it, I got a case of the hangries. And I would say that the Israelites here had the case of the hangries. Uh, Their provisions that they had come out of Egypt with uh, were starting to run out. And they were hungry. And uh, they began to say some pretty ridiculous things. And if you want to, I'm going to kind of give a very brief overview, but if you want to look at the text itself, you'll find this in Exodus 16. Um, so so they have, they're hungry, and they go to Moses, and they're like, Moses, 
uh, we're, we're pretty upset at this point. In fact, we're, we're kind of really mad at you and Aaron. You, you've taken us out of Egypt where our, remember, remember Egypt, right? This is 400 years of slavery. Now listen to some of the things that they say. They say it was better. It was better to be under slavery. It was better to be, to be under the oppression of Moses. It was better for the, the, the things that happened to us in Egypt for us to have been there because at least there we had pots that were full uh, of, of all sorts of things, of all sorts of good food. You know, he starts sort of imagining how much better it was in oppression. This is how, how their thinking is beginning to think. They are thinking, Moses, you've led us out in the desert and it would have been better for us to be under the whip of, um, under the whip of Pharaoh and die that way than to be out in this desert here dying of hunger. And so they come before him and, and Moses now takes this complaint to God. And uh, God, has, uh, God has something up his sleeve. And so he says, Moses, okay, I'm going to provide for the people of Israel. But it's going to come in a very fascinating way. It's going to come down from heaven. It's going to lay on the ground. And, and it's going to sort of be like what you saw, the dew that would occur. And it's going to lay like dew. You're going to collect it and you cook it. However you want. You want to boil it. You want to bake it. Whatever you want. To, if you want to eat it raw, you can do whatever you want with it. But there's going to be some fascinating things about it. There's going to be some ways I want you to consume this, this stuff on the ground. And, uh, and so there's a couple rules. So one is it only lasts one day. And uh, that's my rule. And two, uh, it's going to last two days every six days. Wait a minute, but God, you just said it only lasts one day. I know, but I'm God. It lasts one day, except for the sixth day, it's going to last an extra day. And, and also, it's going to be very good that everyone, no matter whether you're quick or you're slow, no matter how much you gather, whatever you eat, it's going to make you full. Uh, and so the people, Moses conveys this to the people, and the people are like, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Moses, you're a funny one. So uh, we're going to gather extra. So some of them don't listen to Moses at all. They gather this stuff on the ground. In fact, it is so mysterious. They say it's like coriander um, seed. So it's sort of like off-white. And they gather up together. Most gather about th- about one and a half pounds. And, uh, and they, they eat it. In fact, they're like, this is, this is strange. It sort of tastes like honey and... And um, yet, it, it sort of is like this flour sort of substance. We can bake with it. Uh, we, what is it? What is it? And so the word manna is actually sort of what the word in Hebrew meant for what is it. And so they, they take this, this manna and they collect it. But like I said, some didn't trust Moses. And some of them stored it in a pot. And they find that the next day when they go to collect it, it is gook. It is disgusting. It is nasty. And yet, on that sixth day, um, the people collect double the portion. uh, And on the seventh day, none of this manna falls. And yet, still some people are like, wait a minute, Moses, where's the manna? It's day seven. Where's the manna? Moses is like, listen, I told you 
On day six, collect double portion. And so it was fascinating that there was this sense of you had to um, collect only what you needed when God said, and yet, and you were supposed to collect double portion on the sixth day. And on the day when you're not supposed to collect, God would provide from the day before. And so this is what um, happened with the Israelites. Um, it's a fascinating place that, um, that, that God provided manna. Now there's something, uh, some couple things to remember out of this, out of this story of this manna, of this bread. Moses said that this manna would fall from heaven. It would come down from heaven and lay like dew. So fall from heaven comes down like dew. Two is that it was abundant and it filled everyone as much as they needed. And three is that it lasted um, out of God's provision for no natural reason. It lasted into the seventh day um, and, and fed you in on the Sabbath in a place of rest. God provided abundantly. And so, um, and, oh, and one last thing. Moses, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy 18, he says this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen you shall listen to him, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. And it shall come about that whoever speaks, uh, it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak, in my name, I myself will require of him. So Moses is saying, in the future, someday, there's going to be another one like me. There's going to be another prophet. Well, so fast forward now. Um, fast forward now to our passage that we have here. In John 6, we read um, all this whole passage is about bread. What does it start off with? But the feeding of the 5,000. And so Jesus takes a little bit of some loaves and fish and feeds 5,000 people. Now, I'm sure that you guys have fantastic banquets here, but I'm sure that you don't start off with only five loaves and two fish. Um, of course, you, you provide by the body. You provide enough for what's here. But it would be incredible if someone showed up with only that little and it, and it fed all the people here. But imagine this congregation multiplied by probably 100 or more. That is what Jesus did with so little. And so the people are thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing, Jesus. You just, you just fed a lot of people with very little, and you fed our bellies. Well, some people were saying, hey, man, he's speaking the word of God. Man, that, there, there's something about in Deuteronomy about the word of God. In fact, there's something about that there's a prophet to come that would speak the word of God. Wait a minute, that... That sounds really familiar. Wait, this bread thing sounds really familiar. Um, And then, as we will read later on, Jesus talks about things coming down from heaven. And people, lights are going off in their heads and they're thinking, we have Moses 2.0. This is the better Moses. This is the Moses that was to come. This is the Moses that we're expecting. And they're thinking, man, maybe... Maybe we should make him king. And so, of course, they, they try to make him king, and um, they try to make him this Moses 2.0 that they want. Uh, and, of course, Jesus skirts them and goes off and, and hides, and then uh, he spends time, with Jesus, uh, spends time with God, and then he, we, we find him on the other side. And so these, this, is, this is sort of what the people are thinking. 
that maybe this is the Moses, this is, this is the person that we are anticipating, this is the one that we want. And it probably also has some ideas of, wait, Moses did some pretty, pretty cool things, some pretty wicked things to those Egyptians. Could he be doing this to some of the Romans, right? Going to reestablish Israel? Maybe he's going to do some of that stuff. But Jesus, in this passage that we're about to read, he takes this whole idea of what they're thinking, of, of full bellies, and he's going to about to turn it on its head. He's going to about to flip it upside down. He's going to about to take, which is what John does constantly um, in the book of John. He takes very material things. He takes bread. He takes water. He takes light. He takes a vine. He takes each of these things. And he, he, he allows for the understanding of the people in the here and now. And he takes them to the next level. To a heavenly level. Of an eternal level. About God's kingdom. About God's truth. So that's the sort of setup that I want to have in your minds as I read now um, John six twenty five to 69. And I encourage you to, to grab your Bibles um, and, and look with me. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Uh, I can't remember what you guys have in your pew. I think it's NIV. I'm getting the nod from Eric. Um, but I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to listen particularly for the confusion that is happening amongst the people as Jesus takes them from right here, this physical, and begins to speak of the eternal. Starting with verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, where did, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. They then asked him, What must we do? To do the works that God requires. Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous signs will you give, or that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in a desert, as it is written, and he gave bread and he, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none 
of all that he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. At this the Jews began grumbling about him because they said, because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourself, Jesus said. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began arguing sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and in and I in him. Just as the Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he, is, where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe in who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the eternal words of life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. God's Word. 
Do you hear their confusion? <laughs> Do you hear the confusion of, wait a minute, Moses, Moses, manna, Jesus, you fed us with bread. We expect you to now fill our bellies. We expect you to satisfy our hunger. Where's your sign, Jesus? Where's your sign? We're hungry. Yes, we are hungry. And, and we, we got satisfied with you from the bread that you gave us. Just yesterday, you, you gave us bread when we were on the other side of the lake. That's the bread we're waiting for. That's, that's the bread that we're anticipating. And Jesus turns it upside down. And he says, no, work for the food that endures to eternal life. Work for the manna that lasts to tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. Work for food that, prov- that provides for you into the Sabbath. And so what is this work? What is this work? How does it get done? How do we get this manna? We believe in the one God has sent. But they don't get it. They just don't get it. And so they ask for a sign. And in, in ways, he had already given them a sign. He had, as the, the scripture here talks about, he already gave them a sign of, of feeding the 5,000. But, but they, they want something different. They're thinking manna's going to come from heaven, that literally like it's going to rain uh, you know, bread upon their heads. Uh, but he says, no, no, no. I'm the bread. I am the bread of life. He's saying, I came down from heaven and I'm the one whom you're to collect, who you're to, to work for and get to know. I'm the one who's going to fill you so that you are never hungry again. And so Jesus, interestingly, it, he, he gets it that they don't understand. And so he, he brings really clear clarity to them. And he says, hey, the manna that the people ate in the desert, where are they? They're not here. They're dead. They're dead. They died in the desert. The bread they ate filled their bellies. But the bread that I offer, it offers, it, if, you, if you eat it, it lasts you and fills you that you never have to hunger again. And so he's saying that his body, his blood is real and it's ready for consumption. It is to be, he is offering it. And so his disciples, like maybe some of you are like, man, you know, even me as I read this passage is confusing and hard. Like we're, it's almost cannibalistic. Wait a minute. We're asking, uh, this, test, this text is almost saying uh, you want us to eat Jesus, like to literally put him here and then we just start ripping off arms and fingers. And uh, wait, that's kind of confusing. That's, that's weird. That's not even language we even use today. And so even Jesus' disciples... They find it hard. And so it's fascinating that this whole passage, right? We started with 5,000. And, and we, we know that they were in, a, eventually, after they crossed the lake, um, we, we find that they were in a synagogue. And that there were many of Jesus' many, many disciples, more than the 12 who were gathered. And yet, what do we find? But that at the end of our passage, only 12 out of 5,000 or more only 12 remain. And so we have to ask ourselves, why did they stay? Why did they stay? 
these words were hard. These words were difficult. These words, maybe even to our own ears, don't make a lot of sense. But I think when we look at Peter's reply, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I believe that they stayed because even if they were confused, even if that some of the language that Jesus was saying didn't make a lot of sense, maybe to their minds, maybe they were just starting to make some connection, but maybe not full understanding at this point, but they believed that Jesus was the Holy One of God. And they believed, they believed because they had a relationship with him. They knew who he was. They knew that he was Jesus. They knew um, they had spent time with him. Even with his confusing words, they were willing to stay with him because he had eternal life. And so I believe in our text um, in our entire text, our, our entire Bible, this, this whole thing here, I don't know about you, but as I've, I read it and continue to reread it, I find that there are texts like this text that are hard and that are difficult to understand. How, how do we understand this whole book in its entirety? There are passages I don't know what to do with. And as I um, even study them, I wonder, how does that all fit? I, I don't understand these things. But what I found is that when I read Jesus' words, I find that he offers life. He offers an answer to the hunger that is in not my belly down below, which you guys can't see because it's a podium, but it answers the questions in my mind. It answers my soul. It answers what's deep within me, the hunger that no matter how much bread I eat, maybe it's Panera bread, maybe it's Starbucks bread, maybe it's uh, some other places bread, um, whatever food that I eat, no matter what amount of other drink that I drink, no matter what other pleasures of life that I have sought after, none of them answer the hunger that is in my soul. Maybe they satisfy it for a day. Maybe I can delusion myself and maybe think, ah, you know, I can go on another day. But nothing satisfies day after day after day like God's word. Like feeding on his body as well. Because it talks about in his word about his church. You are his body. In some ways, when it talks about feeding on his body, I almost wonder if he says, you know, take a munch out of your, out of your uh, fellow churchmen. <laughs> I hope none of you reach over and try to bite anybody, you know. But he says, feed on the body. Feed on his body. Get nourishment from his body. And so as we close, I encourage you in this. To believe in the one Jesus has sent. First and foremost. Even if, even if the words that you hear are confusing. Believe that he is the Holy One of God. That the scriptures are true in what they say about him. Two. I encourage you to munch on his body, to be in his body. And that is here at the church. It's, it's sad to hear that there are some trends that are saying that people are going to church only once in a while, maybe twice, 
maybe occasionally once a month, maybe even once or twice a year, and they count themselves regular parts of that body. Oh, that is, that will not fill you. You must munch on this body here regularly, on Jesus' body here. And thirdly, I encourage you to invite people into the true bread. There are lots of breads out there that say you will be filled by this, by this pleasure, by this thing, by this thing will fill your belly. But offer them true bread, true body, true drink here at a church, in a small group, in a place where they can get a taste. Because I'm certain that once they get a taste of Jesus, of his eternal body, that they don't want more. And then my prayer is that they would come and know as him, as the Holy One of God, to know him well, to know him as the true bread that fills for all eternity.